The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so, your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Some years ago, I was in the sacristy of St. Mary Major in Rome. When the doors opened and Pope John Paul II walked in, needless to say, everything stopped. You might say, well, after all, he's the Pope. He's dressed as the Pope in a white cassock and a red cape. But it was more than that. It was the man. And even if he had been simply a parish priest, there would have been something different. You might well have said, this man is the salt of the earth. A great compliment for anyone, really, because of this gospel. Difficult for us, though, isn't it? Um, We have no real concept of how important salt was in the ancient world. Some years ago, somebody gave me a book called Get the Salt Out, and that seems to be the way we think. The less sodium, the better, Uh, but not in the ancient world. Salt was a matter of life and death in the ancient world. The Greeks considered salt to be divine. The Romans said, in a play on words in Latin, there is nothing more useful than sun and salt. Salt was the most primitive form of offering to the gods. And for the Jews, until the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, every Jewish sacrifice contained salt. It was that important. When you think of salt, though, there are qualities, I suppose, that would apply to us if we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. What would that really mean, the salt of the earth? First of all, salt was a symbol of purity probably because of its whiteness, but other reasons too. Uh, The Romans said that salt was the purest thing on earth because it came from the two purest things, sun and sea. So purity is an element of salt. It's a strange thing in our world, isn't it? Impurity is so seldom ever shown any respect at all. 
and yet we are supposed to be the ones who are pure, not only in our actions, but of course in our words and in our thoughts. That sort of purity is difficult in our world, but it's essential if we are going to be visible signs of Jesus Christ. Uh, Again, the world will tell us it doesn't matter, and the church will say, yes, it does. But at the same time, it isn't just a matter of purity. Salt is also, as we all know, in the ancient world in particular, a preservative. Here again is why it was so essential for life. It preserved food from corruption and decay. Uh, You and I, then, are those people. We are supposed to be signs of uh, preservation. We are the ones who preserve our world from that, from descending into corruption and decay, or we should be. That's a difficult thing, too. Because our world seems very much to want to go into it, to descend into that ugliness. And you and I are supposed to be visible signs. And we might say, well, what good am I anyway? Given the way the world is going, and it's not going well, it would seem, how can I stop that? What can I do about it? Can I be that sign of purity? Can I be that element which preserves our world from that corruption and that decay? There's probably not a person better known, and we speak, use her name all the time anymore, than Mother Teresa. She changed the lives of millions of people, most of whom never even saw her, much less met her. One woman. Remember what the devil said about the Curie of ours, St. John Vianney? If there were a hundred such priests, I would lose all of France. One person can change it all. And we are that person. Uh, but there's something else about salt that most of us do know, because of why we use it. We don't use it for good health anymore. We don't use it to preserve anything. We use it because it gives flavor. Uh, There are people, some of you I'm sure, they always say there are two kinds of people in the world, and there are. Um, Those people who think there are two kinds of people in the world and those who don't. But (laughs) when it comes to salt, there are two. Those who eat before they put on salt and those who salt before they eat anything. Uh, Salt has that meaning to us. And certain things are good only because there is salt. And we are supposed to be the flavor of the world, but not in some trivial way, that we are some trivial sign of just good-natured behavior. No, that's not it at all. We had far more than that, because so much of Christianity seems dull. And many people have thought it so. Nothing is actually more exciting and more a greater adventure than the faith, than the church. But people have often thought Christianity was dull, and sometimes it was. The atheistic poet Swinburne said, uh, how did he put it? Uh, Thou hast conquered, O pale Galilean. Uh, The world has grown gray from thy breath. That's what he thought of Christianity. A gray dullness. Even Oliver Wendell Holmes once said he once thought of going into the ministry, but every clergyman he ever met, uh, or most of them, seemed to look and sound like undertakers. And Robert Louis Stevenson, of all people, once wrote in his diary, I have been to church today, and I'm not depressed, which he thought was out of the ordinary. <laughs> That's the way we appear, not the church. We aren't. We are, I, I suppose, the most liberated. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure what word to use. We're not silly. It's not silly glibness. There's a joy that goes beyond smiles and anything else that comes with the faith. It was Hilaire Belloc, uh, who himself was something of a curmudgeon, who said, Wherever the Catholic sun doth shine, there you'll find laughter and good red wine. At least I've always heard it so, Benedict Commas Domino. 
and there's some truth to that. There's a real joy in the faith. And we are that joy. Again, not a silly joy uh, that our world thinks of, you know, glibness, frivolity. No, there's something very far deeper than that in what we are. And that is what changes the world, a joy that they can't understand, a joy that comes even in the midst of tears and sorrow because we understand something, we possess something. Our Lord goes on to tell us then that we are the light of the world. Again, ponder that for a moment. Think of the first, the prologue to St. John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He then goes on to say, The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. Our Lord said that he was the light of the world. Now he tells us that we are. But only because we are visible signs of him. Not because we are so wonderful in ourselves. He says we must... uh, shine before others, but not in the sense, again, of drawing attention to ourselves. In a sense, it will. But Mother Teresa always seemed to point somewhere else, and she did whenever she spoke. We were all fixed on her at the moment, but for some reason, when we were fixed on her, we were fixed on God, not on that little woman. And so it is with the great saints. There's something about them. Again, John Paul II, you immediately went to him, but he was always taking you somewhere else, not to himself. There was a group of young people who were going to have a prayer vigil all night, and they were quite proud of themselves for doing it. And when they were finished in the morning, they were coming out, and another well-known man was walking in, and they said, we've had a wonderful night. You see how our, how our faces shine. He said, Moses wished his face did not shine. Uh, remember that with Moses? I mentioned him before. Whenever he came out of the tent speaking to God, his face shone. And the Jews were afraid. The Israelites ran from him, so he had to cover his face with a veil. And he wished that his face didn't shine. But being with God, it did. And so will ours. Which means, in particular, that if we're going to be the light of the world, it is essential that we be people of the Eucharist, as always. Because we cannot be the light of the world. We cannot be Jesus Christ unless he is the one who is shining. Anything that shines from us is superficial. Anything that shines from him is uh, lasting. And we, then, are those people who are the ones who are going to shine. Uh, But again, not in a superficial way, in a great depth, with a great peace. Uh, That peace is so important. There are all kinds of people who want to shine and scream and yell in some sort of, uh, as though our faith were some sort of, we were having a good day emotionally or we're trying to have one. That's not what it's all about at all. It all comes from something beyond our control and yet in our control because God has given it to us. So we then are that mountain a city on the, on the top of a mountain. That's what the church is. He's describing the church. Not just a little group of people, but the entire body of Christ. And we may then say that ourselves. Benedictus uh, Domino, let us bless the Lord because of what he has done and what he has done with us. We are now able to be different people. And the world will know that God is here and the church is victorious now and in the kingdom yet to come. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you, uh, redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. 
for the church throughout the world, that she truly will be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, uh, guiding all nations to Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, that they may come to know Jesus Christ through his church, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick, suffering, dying, the lonely, the frustrated, and the confused, they may know that in their suffering they too are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost the light, we pray to the Lord. For greater respect for human life, especially in the womb and at the end, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will be uniquely the salt of the earth and who will bring the light to all peoples, for a greater reverence for the prophetic, visible nature of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our administrator, our bishop, whomever he will be, our priests, deacons, seminarians in the American hierarchy, that they will shine before men, and seeing them, they will give glory to the Father. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, that we too will be visible signs of the Eucharist we receive. The world will know that the Lord is in their midst. We pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Lord as we sing. Laudam.